show with two retired detectives that were in the thick of New York crime, fast and hectic. They got some stories and some jokes, even an interview with the most popular folks. Off the cuff, off the cuff, one episode just ain't enough. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Police Off the Cuff, Real Crime Stories. I'm your host, Bill Cannon. I'm a retired 27-year veteran of the NYPD. I retired as a detective sergeant at the Manhattan North Homicide Squad. And with me tonight and on most nights is my co-host, retired NYPD detective and straight out of Brooklyn, Phil Grimaldi. How are you doing tonight, Phil? I'm pretty good, Billy. Every time I hear that song, that catchy tune, I'm just tapping and I hear it for hours. It's great. I hope that uh, people uh, like it. You know, uh, 99% like it. You get 1% yeah. that that doesn't like anything, you know, but uh, I like it. Anyway, some uh, happenings in the um, Gabby Petito and Brian Laundry case. Uh, today, and I, I can't even pronounce it, uh, Maya Kahachi Creek Um so items belonging to uh, Brian were found, and there were some uh, body parts found. Now, the, the FBI is not confirming at this point whether it's Brian Laundry, but I'm going to play a, a short the press conference that um, the FBI uh, gave today. It was not a hell of a lot of information, to tell you the truth. Um, in fact, you know, in a very FBI fashion, that's pretty much how they usually do business. But uh, let me let me get this playing. Hang on one second here. Good afternoon. My name is Michael McPherson. I'm the special agent in charge of the FBI Tampa Division. As you're aware, the FBI and the Northport Police Department and our state and local law enforcement partners have been searching the area of the Carlton Reserve of Ryan Laundry, a person of interest and the murder of Gabby Petito. Earlier today, investigators found what appeared to be human remains, along with personal items, such as a backpack and notebook belonging to Brian Laundry. These items were found in an area that up until recently have been underwater. Our evidence response team is on scene using all available forensic resources to process the area. It's likely the team will be on scene for several days. I know you have a lot of questions, but we don't have all the answers yet. We are working diligently to get those answers for you. We are grateful for the dedication and professionalism of the Northport Police Department, along with our partners from the state and local agencies. Complex investigations such as this cannot be accomplished by one agency alone, but there are just too many agencies to name them all here today. Portions of the Mayakahachi Creek Environment Park and Carlton Reserve will remain closed to the public until further notice. This is an active and ongoing investigation, so we ask the public to maintain distance from any law enforcement personnel, equipment, vehicles, and other related activity for the safety of the public and to protect the integrity of our work. We have no additional comment related to today's activities. Our FBI Denver office is the lead investigative agency and all future inquiries should be directed to them. <coughs> tremendous support from the public and continue to ask for your assistance in bringing this investigation to close. Thank you. So you could see that um, the FBI there uh, left a lot, a lot of things uh, to the imagination. There lots of questions. They're not answering any questions. They're not making an identification of the body parts at the scene. From what we understand, the location that um, 
the body parts and Brian's personal um, items that we understand, a notebook, a backpack. We don't know everything else, but this area was searched uh, early on in the investigation. Whenever you do a large-scale search of an area, of course you keep records. If you didn't keep records, you're not a police agency. But you keep detailed records of where you've searched. There's different types of searches, spiral searches, grid searches, you know, where you you definitely keep track. And they know for a fact they searched this area. However, this area was underwater. Now the water has receded and there's there's a body parts. Uh, they wouldn't really elaborate on if an entire body was recovered, <clears throat> if, the body, if the body's male or female. Uh, lots of questions. Um, the notebook, I mean, if the notebook was underwater, potentially uh, whatever was written in it could be destroyed or you never know, it could dry out and still be uh, legible. However, that little press conference by the FBI left a lot, a lot of questions. And one thing I want to say to a lot of our people listening out there is that people think that, for example, in a homicide investigation, when you make an arrest, oh, now it's easy. Now the case is over. No, now the case has just begun. And for example, this case, I can sort of make the same analogy. They've uh, recovered body parts. They've recovered some other things. The case isn't over. The case has a huge amount of investigation to continue. And, you know, the next step, of course, is to identify these body parts. Phil? Yeah, I think, uh, Bill, I know that the FBI has been kind of tight-lipped with regard to putting out certain information, but there's a lot there that he said. Now, he said with conviction that it was Brian's backpack and notebook. They've been confirmed. So we can run with that 100% that it's his stuff and remains were found. And I think they were correct in not stating whether or not they believed it was Brian 100% because there hasn't been a, a positive identification made. So with that said, um, the area was under heavy scrutiny early on in the investigation, the Carlton Reserve, which I believe is actually right next to this location, which it's called a Micahatchee Creek Environmental Park. I, I don't know if I said it right. I hope I did. Uh, anyway, the uh, searching that's been going on, I mean, it was 25,000 acres. Uh, it's a tremendous area. Now they're saying they added the component that they believe this area was underwater. Bill, you're 100% right. They had a note where they searched. I mean, you'd be searching in circles if you don't. They may have put markings on trees or just uh, made like a grid where they figured out that they had already searched in that area. And sometimes searching in this kind of wilderness, you'll, you'll do it two and three times just to double and triple check, obviously. So again, uh, the water being put into the uh, equation, that may uh, have dispersed the body. Uh, you have animals, you have insects. There's a lot of different things that were going on in that area. If he was in that area from the time frame that we believe that his parents told us, if it's that long, I don't think it's going to be uh, a short-term uh, time of death. I think it's going to be long-term. What I mean by that is I think it was probably in the first few days after he went out to that location. That is well, Phil, Phil, didn't they go camping? What was the date they went camping? Was it the 8th or the 9th? And no, they went, went out? They, they went camping on the 6th. They were back around the uh, three days later, around the ninth or the tenth, and then once the um, parents, uh, Gabby's parents, reported uh, Gabby missing, which was on the eleventh, that's when the investigation first started to kick in. Which she was actually reported out in Long Island first. I believe it was the I'm not sure if it was Nassau or Suffolk PD. I think it was the the Suffolk PD was the one the the agency that took the a missing persons report. Uh, a detective at that. Uh, location contacted um, Northport police and said, Hey, you've got somebody missing. There's, they gave a lot of the details. That's when they went to the laundry home, which uh, instigated the search of the vehicle and all of that. And then uh, I believe it was on the 13th that he supposedly took the car, the parents' car, of course, the van was taken by FBI. Uh, for examination. And he took the parents' car on the 13th and went to this Carlton Reserve. They had claimed on the, I believe they reported him on the 15th, but they had uh, claimed that they went on the 15th. Either the 15th or 16th is when they reported him missing. But on they claimed that on the 15th is when they went and found the car and brought it back to their home. However, the neighbors revealed that the car was there on the 14th. So it was probably the day after he went 
into this area. Phil, I'm going to play a, sh a short uh, video sure. with the Dalton sure. Reserve and how vast and huge this location is. You know, uh, some of the folks, uh, I mean, those are heartbreaking photos. Uh, we've been covering this case since the beginning. We've pretty much seen all of these photos, uh, you know, and uh, as we said many times before, this is a heartbreaking case. And this is this case has not just gotten national attention, it's gotten international attention. And there's been articles written about that, like why this story of everything grabbed at the heartstrings of not just the Americans, but the world. And today, you know, we don't have the answers right now because the FBI is not smartly not putting out the identity of this body till they find out the identity through science, with that, which means DNA or something known as odontology, which is the study of the dental work. And if they can make a quick comparison on that, uh, uh, that would be the quickest way. Uh, Sandy V, thank you so much for the $5 super chat. Bill or Phil? Why did the laundries magically show up at the site before the remains were found? I believe, uh, Sandy, they were called yes. to the scene. Yes. Uh, so that, that's the answer to that. They were called to the scene. Look, the, the laundry parents have been the villains during this, but you know, as much as our hearts go out to the family of Gabby Petito, they're the parents of this young man also. And I know there's not much sympathy for him or for them, but they're also human beings, and we have to respect that, too. They just lost a son, and we can all conjecture whether they were involved in helping him disappear, that they seemed to be cold as ice because they didn't correspond with the Petito family when Gabby was missing. All those things I, I can understand. We also, most of us probably listening here are parents, and we can understand the heartache from, uh, from both sides. Yeah, 100%, Bill. I agree with what you just said. Um, I don't think they magically appeared. Uh, they were called down to the scene to uh, identify specific items that were recovered. Uh, I guess maybe the searchers found these things and uh, they wanted to be certain that it belonged to Brian. And that's why I believe the parents were brought there. And I agree with you, Bill, on the fact that, you know, uh, even though they were uncooperative, uh, with Gabby's family and they turned their back on Gabby, so to speak. Uh, she lived with them for two years. They didn't cooperate in any of the investigation. They retained an attorney, which was their right. Uh, and we, you know, we can say our opinions and be angry with that. But like you said, they lost a son. And, uh, you know, I don't think that uh, anything worse can happen to a human being. Uh, a parent uh, than losing a child. So the circumstances which they've put themselves in, uh, you know, all of the protesting and, and all of that anxiety that was going on, hopefully that's over now. And uh, we'll give them the respect that they deserve. They lost a son. And uh, I'm sure that, uh, you know, uh, taking the high road on something like that is the better choice. Uh, I did see on some of the news uh, that I was watching this afternoon that uh, they want to go after the laundries for criminal charges and stuff like that. If there is, in fact, specific proof that they can say that would shed, uh, you know, uh, shed light on uh, criminal charges, then by all means, they should move forward with that. I don't think that's the case, though. I think that the initial stages of when they helped him, I do believe that they helped him. But the initial stages of it, there wasn't an arrest warrant at that time. Uh, I think if there was any telephonic communication between Brian and his parents, that would have been picked up by the FBI. And again, they would have locked themselves into a, a trick bag of uh, criminal charges if they did do that. I don't think that's going to be the case. Who knows? 
what uh, is revealed in the days going forward. I would assume that uh, if there is something that uh, they're looking to charge them with, that'll happen uh, probably after, uh, if it is Brian's remains, we still even know, don't know 100%, although I, I'm pretty confident that it is, that at that point when they uh, – when they bury whatever there is left of them, that uh, something might pop up then. But again, I doubt it highly. Phil, I think I'm going to go to, uh, you know, we Barbara Butcher spoke on Duty Ron's show, and I have absolute 100% permission from Duty Ron to use these clips. That's the NYPD connection. Thank you, Duty Ron. Uh, but Barbara Butcher, the retired chief of staff of the New York City Office of the Chief Medical Examiner, comments on the autopsy and the finding of Gabby Petito's body. And some of the same things she's going to say here will apply to uh, Brian Laundrie. If that is Barbara, in fact, everybody is. wants to know uh, Gabby Petito, 22 years old. She was out potentially for over 20 days in Wyoming in uh, the, in the Teton national park. Uh, just could you give some of the viewing audience what kind of challenges you have as a, as a, you know, medical examiner slash the, all the folks who are involved in that recovery? Uh, what are some of the things that they're, they're up against there? And I'll show some pictures as you speak. Okay. Um, you know, she was, uh, um, Gabby was found in, uh, in the Moran Vista, uh, camp area, which is what they call a dispersed campground. In other words, it's it's has no facilities. It's not a place where you just pitch a tent and get water, showers, or electricity. This is very, very remote area, um, very wild area. Now, uh, you know, after 21 days, you know, we all understand the, the nature of decomposition. Um, and in addition, being a wild area, there are... Uh, Bobcats, cougars, uh, all kinds of vermin. And, you know, you have to be realistic about what kind of remains you'll be looking for. Um, and the big challenge is to not just find those remains, but to find all the remains. Uh, you mentioned that the medical examiner's office had gone back a second time to the site. And that's most likely because they may have found that they were missing um, a, a bone or, uh, you know, some such and, and went back to see if they could find everything. Um, I mean, that's just the, the realistic uh, likely scenario here. Um, I don't know exactly what her remains looked like, but, you know, after 21 days in the wilderness. Yeah. You know, I just, I just want to say, uh, Phil, that that's Barbara Butcher talking the night that they found Gabby Petito's remains. Right. But the same things really apply to finding, and well, I'm not going to call them Brian Laundrie's remains because they have not been confirmed yet, but by finding these remains, whosever remains they turn out to be, they've been out there for several weeks. And at one point they were under the water. So the amount of decomposition is is incredible. And the same thing she spoke about animals, uh, temperature, all kinds of different things that speed up decomposition of a human body. So therefore it makes it so, so much difficult. Uh, and many people I'm sure in our chat never witnessed the crime scene, never witnessed a dead human body in decomposition. And it's not a pretty sight. And sometimes it's very difficult even to say or recognize that this was once a human being. Yeah, Bill, that's uh, some really terrific points that you're bringing up. Uh, I think the fact that the, uh, the water, they're saying that this area was covered in water, uh, that could just bring so many other uh, elements to this whole uh, recovery of remains because it could have been somewhere else where, I mean, let's say it was a, a homicide or a suicide. It could have been somewhere else and floated to that location. And then when the area drained out, it, it, it you know, was found. Uh, that could also scatter pieces of the remains, parts of the remains. Then you have the animals, you have the insects, all the things we talked about. Um, there's one of the comments that I noticed uh, it's my King of Kings writes. I think he was dead even before she was found quite 
possible, uh, unlikely to know exactly when these remains, uh, the exact time of death because of the fact that it's been out there for a while, it appears. Uh, we'll get a better idea when they do the autopsy and they try to figure out a cause of death by studying the uh, environment and studying the uh, insects in the area as well as the animal life. So they'll give a, a, a rough estimate of when they think that the person uh, met their demise. And uh, there was another comment there, and I think it said that the laundries weren't notified to come down to the location. Now that's possible. I don't think it's the case. I think I've heard some news reports that they, they were requested to come down there and, and uh, look at the items to try and identify them as being Brian's. However, it's quite possible that, you know, this search was going on, maybe uh, reporters picked up on it and called their house and uh, asked them to comment or somebody yelled out from the protest in front of the house. So there's many ways they could have found out about it. I think it would be absolutely insane for them to just show up at a location where they were recovering remains. That would mean that they knew about the yeah, location. Yeah, I, I, think, I think they were called to the scene. Yeah, it sounds that way. Uh, Lisa, Lisa Mounts, uh, you know something, uh, uh, this shows uh, your humanity, and I really appreciate this. Uh, do not gloat when your enemy falls, when he stumbles. Do not let your heart rejoice. A heart at peace gives life to the body, but gloating and pride rots the bones, for sure. Hallelujah. And this is not a happy day for anyone. It's not a happy day for the uh, Gabby Petito's family. Obviously, it's not a happy day for the Laundry family. And we're not, again, we cannot confirm that the body or the body parts belong to Brian Laundry. But there's other evidence on the scene indicative of that possibility, and we'll not we we only deal in facts here. We don't ever report things until they're confirmed. And till the FBI, uh, you you heard the, uh, the the senior agent in charge on the scene giving that press conference, and what he was saying they're going to be there for several days. So what that means is they're going to cross their t's and dot their eyes. I know that's. Uh, so stereotypical, but that's and the they truth. should, and they should one hundred percent. They should because, as I spoke about before, the finding of this evidence, the body parts, whether it's a full body, the body parts, isn't the end of this case. It's somewhat the beginning, and may we get closure on this? I don't know if we'll never, if we'll ever, ever know all the facts in regards to this. Many people can spin a different yarn about what happened. Um, many people like us in law enforcement, we look at what we think is the evidence and we come to certain conclusions. But there's other people on the other side of the fence that uh, don't believe that. They believe that uh, there's doubt whether he, in fact, uh, killed Gabby Petito. You know, as I said, we've been covering this case since the very beginning. And it, it, it's really it's really heartbreaking. And you could see when things are on the front burner with law enforcement, Everyone observes your mistakes. And were there mistakes made in this case? Yeah, 100%. Is there any job, any profession on this earth that doesn't make mistakes? I don't think there is. But are cameras on them all the time? Is the press on them all the time watching their every move? And again, I, I'm going to be accused of supporting the police. That's because I was one for 27 years. And I understand the nature of police work and mistakes can be made. Phil, you want to comment? Yeah, of course. Listen, uh, we're going to just hope and pray that the, any mistakes that are made are minor mistakes. They're human nature mistakes. None of us are perfect. We're all, uh, you know, apt to make a mistake from here and there. Uh, we don't want to see any major mistakes or, or stupid screw ups. I mean, one of the mistakes that I think that we could probably cite is the fact that uh, there was nobody on the Brian Laundry home on the laundry's home when he was considered a suspect and he, he, you know, he eluded uh, the police and, and was able to uh, go off into the wilderness. And again, had he been under surveillance and they stopped him or questioned him, if he committed suicide, if this is in fact him, that could have been prevented. Now, Bill, you make another great point. You're talking about how the investigation may just be beginning. And I'd like to highlight a few points on that. They have to figure out how this remains got where it is. Now, if it's Brian, what's the cause of death? They're going to have an extensive search. They said the area is going to be closed off for uh, from uh, you know this point forward, which would mean an extended period of time. I'd say it's probably going to be closed for days. There's a, a huge area to search if the 
area was underwater. Uh, like I said earlier, pieces and uh, pieces of evidence and uh, human remains could have gotten uh, strewn about in a large area. So there's going to be an extensive, extensive. Well, you know, story. Phil, if you look at that picture on the screen, you could see how the terrain there changes and the water could come in and it could cover lots of things that were once Absolutely. On, on dry ground. So Absolutely. it's not a friendly uh, environment. There's a picture of some of the law enforcement personnel. Someone, you know, also put in the chat that the the laundries went there this morning to search for Brian. I, I don't buy that. That was a statement no. by their attorney. I don't, I don't believe any statement made by their attorney. I think they were well, called yeah, there. Yeah. That's a self-serving statement, uh, Bill, because, you know, again, yeah, they went to search for him because the police called them and said, uh, we want you to look at something. So, yeah, we went there to search. I mean, that's just a self-serving statement. It seems exactly what you said. They were probably called there. Let's We can't jump to conclusions. We don't know for a fact. But to me, you know, it sounds like they were called in to take a look of uh, at items. You know, they did report their son missing. Maybe he hadn't been heard from legitimately. And, you know, they found things and they wanted to, you know, have a, a positive identification. But going back to you're talking about the investigation not being over, far from over, is the initial investigation into Gabby Petito's disappearance and that there's going to be specific things that would be coming from the examination of the body of Gabby, the autopsy results, things like that. And then all the electronic stuffs. We had mentioned that there was a trip that Brian took from uh, I believe it was Wyoming, back to Florida, and then back to Wyoming. There might be video cameras that they want to look at. And then there's the, the time period uh, when he left Florida, uh, when he left Wyoming, we believe she was killed around the 27th or the 28th, back to Florida. If he made any stops, I'm sure that detectives will go into those locations to check video cameras. So all of these things are going to be put together. And I would hope that at some point, the investigators, when their investigation is completed, they'll sit down with the laundry fam. I'm sorry, the Petito family, sit down with them and explain to them what they think happened, because they're going to have a very good idea based on all of this investigation, what they think happened and explain it to them in, in uh, non-technical terms. They can put it in plain English like we do on this show. We try to explain things that are very technical, but we try to put it in a very simplified way and explain to that family because there's going to be, if this is Brian Laundrie's remains and he's dead, there's going to be questions that will remain unanswered forever. And I think sure. the family has a right to have some sort of you know, they're never good. They, I've said this before. There's no closure 100% when you lose a child as a parent can't even imagine it. Uh, I, I really, my heart goes out to those people and even to the laundries that they lost a son. So uh, there's not going to be 100% closure. However, they may get comfort out of some questions being answered. Maybe there's some comfort tonight for those people. Not that the kid is dead, that they know where he is, that he's not out. You know, could you go to, could you imagine going to bed every night knowing that the person may have killed your daughter is out there somewhere. And now they're not going to have to worry about that tonight. If in fact, and I say, if these remains are that of Brian Laundry. Uh, Leia Yvonne, thank you for the $5 super chat. You questioned, we, I believe we answered this, but I'll read your question. Guys, please look up the laundry lawyer statement from this morning. The laundries were not called out there. They were out searching. I, I, you know, something Leia, I appreciate you bringing that up. I don't believe that. Uh, I think the, the attorney put out many self-serving statements during this entire investigation. Uh, I'm going to put up a picture on the screen of the laundries that they were at the, the scene early this morning. Uh, let me let me put it up there. And um, I believe there's a, a is it the video, Bill, or is it just no? A this is yeah, it is a video of them at the scene. They appear to be with a law enforcement officer who's showing them something, possibly a uh, an item of, of Brian's, uh, a personal item. And um, you can't really hear the, the audio in this one. But uh, I think at some point he, he taps uh, Chris Laundry on the shoulder. So this must be a very emotional situation for them. They're being shown items that belong to their son. And this is the area, of course, they found the items and the area that they recovered human remains. You know, Bill, Liam might be somewhat correct because if you look at his pants, they're wet. So maybe they they may have contacted the laundry and said, listen, we found something we think could be connected to, to Brian and 
you know, uh, you may want to come out here or they came out on their own. Let's just say they came out on their own because maybe they were going to bring the item to them and they shot out there. So it could be. And, you know, they were the ones that reported him missing and they were the ones that said the Carlton Reserve in this area, the Makahaka, I can't even say it. I said it so many times today, the Creek Environmental Park, um, which is right next to the Carlton Reserve. So, you know, uh, they may have been, you know, saying the truth that he was in the last scene in this area and they know for facts so they ran out there to try and help search. It could be very well could be. Yeah. I mean, you could just, uh, you, again, you look at this terrain, it's yeah. not, uh, not, yeah. it's, and it's gotta be about 85, 90 degrees there in Florida. Uh, and you could see that they have signs on their clothing that they have been searching, but I, I'm just doubting, how that they they were called yeah. to the scene, you know. Yeah. I'm just yeah. doubting that. I yeah. think they probably were called to the scene, even though uh, the attorney made a statement that uh, contrary to that, that they just were out there searching. When I listened to that video clip this morning or early this afternoon, I guess it was, um, you could hear the officer say, "I think we found something worthwhile." Something to, I'm paraphrasing, but he says that, and then at some point he pats. Uh, the dad on the shoulder. So uh, I think that at that point, it looks like uh, they identified the items probably. The, uh, it's I don't think it was the backpack. We probably would have seen it in that shot. May have been the notebook that they talk about. But, uh, you know, the, the FBI was pretty certain about the items. They said Brian Laundrie's backpack and notebook. So they really were certain about that. I would say that that's factual. And, uh the remains obviously still have to be recovered. I'm just hoping that for the sake of Gabby's family, as well as the laundries, um, that there is maybe he left a note. I, I hope it could be, uh, since it looks sounds like it might have been underwater, uh, if he did kill himself. I hope that there's some type of note that might be explaining what happened with Gabby, just to give, uh, you know, uh, to answer one of the many questions that uh, the Petitos are going to have. You know something, uh, they got out there and uh, when they recovered certain items, they called the uh, they called the medical examiner. Now, the right. medical examiner does not come to a scene uh, to collect personal items. They come to the scene right. when there's a body recovered. And That's because- when you and I both knew earlier that there was remains because they wouldn't notify the the coroner, the medical examiner, etc., to uh, you know, to recover items. You're right, 100. Right, of course. I'm going to show a little bit of a video from this, and this is uh, like every time WFLA I go to this shot, in another vehicle pulls through, right. and we see all these vehicles pulling through. Any one of these could be workers, or a worker, or the medical examiner for Sarasota County. So we don't, as I mentioned earlier, it's not all that to normal for there to be an official marked medical examiner's vehicle with a particular medical examiner's office. A lot of the time they do transportation in unmarked vehicles. So law enforcement. Right so, there is a, uh, is a tent. They obviously had a crime scene there. And I, this guy, JB Buono, he loves to hear himself talk. He just talks for <laughs> hours about nothing. Yeah. Uh, you know, and look, I appreciate that when they they're on the air for hours. He's you know he's going to talk about birds landing in the trees, but you know I just think you know he's got to zip it for a while. Uh, this this tent put up there is obviously there to cover up the crime scene and whatever they've recovered, the body, the body parts. They they obviously want privacy. They know the news has helicopters, and they they want to cover that up. So. Uh, He's trying to get a camera in there. Working the phones and anything that we can pass along to you. uh, Here we're going to. And Masa, you see her her eyes looking down? Yeah, she's looking down because she's working the phones right now too. I wanted to uh, let our viewers know that uh, Heather Monahan, she's our digital content producer, a, a real superstar. She's obviously also working this case for us right now. She has reached out to Josh Taylor and she said that, you know, acknowledge that we know that Northport is not the lead agency on this case, but she asked if he could provide any kind of comment on the activity at the site of the Brian Laundry search today. Obviously, she mentioned how Sarasota County uh, 
the Sarasota County Medical Examiner said they were called out by Northport PD to the scene. And so Heather is asking for additional information. We just want you to know that we are doing everything on our end to try to get you facts about what's happening here. But so far, all we heard from Northport PD was the search is on and we'll let you know if there's a significant development. But it does feel like there has been uh well, didn't say significant development. The words that Josh Taylor from Northport PD uh, had for Allison Henning, he said, if there's anything of note, we're going to let everyone know at the same time. But I would argue, you know, calling the medical. Look, th- obviously that was prior to them, uh, them the FBI giving their press, their conference, press conference on finding uh, a body of body parts and saying that at this point it's unidentified. So, uh, they're just, you know, they're filling time there and they're just conjecturing about this. And again, when dealing with the FBI, the FBI is not going to release something until, although, you know, it was the FBI in Wyoming that very early on, and it surprised all of us, they released the identity of Gabby Petito when her body, body parts were found in Wyoming in the Grand Teton uh, National Park. They released that information pretty early, and we were all baffled because it couldn't have been done with DNA because DNA takes much more time than it took them to identify the body. Yeah, absolutely, Bill. And, uh, you know, the area where the body was, the the remains were recovered today, I mean, they said it was underwater, so I'm sure that time could be of the essence because uh, they're going to want to search that area extensively, and if they get a good rainstorm, uh, you know, you could get a few inches of rain in an hour in Florida in that area. So that might, the, the, the area might go underwater again. So they don't want to, you know, lose any possible evidence or pieces of, you know, parts of the remains. So they're going to, they're going to really be searching that area. Um, that's one of the things that, uh, is probably why they're shutting it down for the next couple of days. I would figure, um, you know, uh, early on there was, uh, Jen and Kyle Bethune's, they were the ones that spotted the van on video, and I don't know if they realize how important they were to this investigation because Gabby may still not have been recovered. And yeah, there they are. They uh, they turned out to be uh, very very important to uh, you know the recovery of Gabby Petito. Uh, social media really blew up everything on this case, and. Uh, they happened to see they were plugged into social media because they actually do a, uh, a travel site. And uh, so they saw that uh, uh, people were asking if anybody was in the area uh, where Gabby was last seen to go through their video. And sure, sure enough, lo and behold, they found on the side of the road the, uh, the white van that Gabby and Brian were in. And uh, within a day of uh, a search, they found the remains of Gabby Petito. So just a shout out to them that uh, God put them in that place at that time to uh to help in this case and uh i really believe in divine intervention on certain things and uh i think that was it um and uh we'll move forward from here you know john donahue thank you for the 999 super chat your question will they close the park to conduct a wider search i don't believe so i think they're going to target this very specific area yeah where they found body parts where they found some of his property and they're going to search that area you know because a lot of the body parts could have been scattered whether it be from from an animal from the water or whether it was dislodged by some other means so they're going to search that area they'll bring in forensic anthropologists to identify things that may be bones we had uh retired nypd crime scene sergeant john pellucci on last week and he said sometimes it's a, a good time to search for bone is actually at nighttime, right? Because they have special lighting, and it it it, it they can identify bone easier at, in the dark with these lights. So they they you heard the head of the FBI, the FBI uh, uh, agent in charge, and he said they're going to be there for uh, probably two to three days. So they're in no rush to make this. I know the public. There's a lot of pressure. There's a lot of pressure from the press. They want an ID. Guess what? They're going to give the ID when they're ready, when it's scientifically proven whose remains these are. They're not going to rush. Yeah, you know, they may extend the area that they believe they want to search and freeze it only because of nosy Nelly reporters or whoever is going to try and get in there and, you know, get a peek at it. So they may close a larger area 
off to the public. And I'm a 100% in favor of that. You don't need anybody uh, traipsing through an area if you, especially if you're looking for uh, elements of a crime scene. So I don't think 25,000 acres is needed to be closed, but who knows? I'm not making that call, but uh, chances are they'll probably close off a good area of the, uh, the search area in and around where those remains were found today. Uh, it doesn't make sense to close 25,000 acres though. So no, it does uh, not. Good uh, point, Billy. You know, folks, if you're not subscribed to Police Off the Cuff Real Crime Stories, please go to our YouTube, hit the subscribe button, ring that bell, give us a thumbs up. Uh, we're building our channel. Uh, we got a lot of friends out here in this YouTube world. Duty Ron, we were just earlier today on Gisa LaKay's show, and uh, we believe in something that be, that bees do all the time called cross-pollination. And we're trying to... Uh, make as many friends and go on as many shows. And in fact, I'm going to put a friend up on the screen right now and Philly's going to read his, uh, his commercial. And uh, I know he's in the chat right now. Joe, glad you're on board with us tonight. Have you found yourself in a jam? Are you in need of legal counsel in the New York area? Do you need a victim's advocate? Well, Joe Murray is your man. He's not only an experienced trial attorney, he's also a retired 15-year member of the NYPD. He knows both sides of the fence. His website is jmurray-law.com. That's jmurray-law.com. His telephone number is 646-838-1702. 646-838-1702. You can email Joe at joe at jmurray-law.com. That's joe at jmurray-law.com. Folks, this is D. D is a court officer, and she's a big a supporter of first responders. In fact, she has a thing called a company called D's Designs 107. And what better way to honor our first responders than a personalized Christmas ornament that will act as a reminder of their hard work and dedication? Uh, let me show you these ornaments. Each ornament is three by five inches wide and can be customized with a name, a badge number, a county, etc. There's also room on the back for an engraved personal message to your favorite first responder. Each ornament has a few different variations depending on your likes. Please contact us and let us help you create a very unique gift for you to give to your first responder. Please leave all details in the customization box for name, etc. on the front of the ornament. And if you like an inscription on the back, leave those details in the customization box as well. You will receive a confirmation before anything is printed. And you can go to these designs, but these-designs-107.myshopify.com. And this is D, not them and not those. That's D. <laughs> That's the Billy, I got to correct you on one thing. You said court officer. She's a court stenographer. Court stenographer. I, stenographer. I always make that mistake. Well, That's the, we made. We did three shows today. So uh, yeah, I, I, I give myself a, a buy on that one. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Joe Murray. Thank you, Joe Murray. Uh, we love you too, Joe. You're, yeah, you're a great man. You know, folks, this um, this case has been, you know, highly emotional for all of us, even us behind the microphones here, you know. Uh, it gets into your bones. You get you almost feel like you're back investigating a case yourself. And even though that's not our role anymore, we, we feel that way. We can't help but feel that way because it's in our blood. And, you know, th this case is a human tragedy from – from every aspect of it, you know, and you can just hope that uh, all the folks involved in this case, the family members, the Petitos, and I even, you know, feel sorry now for the laundries, even though, you know, they have been the villains in this case for many of us uh, in the chat, many of us that have followed this case, you know, this is their 23 year old son. Uh, we think it is, uh, you know, and again, I cannot confirm and I apologize. We won't confirm. But no matter if this is him or not, this has been a, a, a huge tragedy. Yeah, all around, Bill, I'm with you on that. Um, you know, you made a, a, a point of something that you said we're all emotionally involved. Uh, over the weekend, I had my mother-in-law was uh, married. And uh, congratulations to my mother-in-law and father-in-law, the Razianos. We had a great time at the wedding. But people were coming up to me and without even saying, you know, I, I've been watching the show. You know, what do you think? Where's Brian? Uh, how do you think it happened? You know, I was getting hit with questions left and right. So a lot, a lot of people are plugged into 
this. And that used to happen to me when I was active on a job. There'd be, let's say, the OJ case or something to that effect. And people would always come up to me knowing that I was a homicide investigator. You know, what do you think about this? What do you think about that? So this case really had international uh, uh, notoriety to it. Uh, the media was all over it. Social media really blew it up. And uh, so, yeah, we were connected. We did a lot of shows on this case. And um, I think that there's probably going to be a few more going forward. But uh, ho hopefully uh, they'll have an identification tomorrow and then we'll move forward from there. Uh, Bill Kwiatkowski, thank you for the $10 Super Channel. Uh, you're, you say they never said Brian and belongings were underwater. From what I understand, Bill, is that the area that they recovered the belongings and the body were previously underwater. They weren't underwater when they recovered them, but what when they searched that area, uh, it was a couple of weeks ago because they keep uh, documentation on all the areas they search that that area at that time was underwater. And that was one of the fears why they would not be able to find uh, things because, you know, the water table changes around there. And, you know, I, when we first started doing this case, I believed early on in the investigation that he was going to commit suicide. And as it stretched on, I changed up and I said, you know something, maybe he got away. And I started thinking that he fled to maybe Mexico because it appeared to me early on in the investigation that the family helped him get away. That's what it appeared to me. And again, Phil and I always repeat this all the time because we've worked hundreds of homicide cases, we are not privy to the case folder. We do not know the ins and outs. And that's the only people that know the ins and outs and the real important stuff in this investigation are the, are the police and the FBI. They're the ones conducting the investigation. And maybe they let a little, little things slip out, but not enough that you can make an intelligent assessment of everything that's going on. You know, Bill, uh, there's a possibility now. Uh, Bill was saying they never said Brian and Belongings were underwater. They did say the area was underwater where the remains were recovered. It's possible that the remains were on a higher ground than as high up as the water went. I don't think so. It sounds to me, I mean, I'm not there. I don't know, but it does sound like the remains were recovered in an area that may have been underwater. That's what it sounds like. But well, I'm sure in the days going forward, we're going to get more detail on that for sure, for certain, but it's possible. Pepper Sprout, I'm going to read this. I, uh, It's definitely Brian, in my opinion. He's been dead since the first day he went out there. He killed Gabby, ran home, lied to his parents, and committed suicide because he was a coward. Those are very strong words, and I can understand why you feel that way. Uh, Nurse Bev, people are angry because they want answers they may never get. That's for sure. You know, one of the things with this, with someone committing suicide, now the case is never going to go to court. It's never going to go to trial. We're never going to get closure on all the information. We're not going to get the who, where, what, how, and why, which everyone wants those answers all the time. You know, uh, uh, Star Girl, lawyers will say they did the right thing. And in some ways, I agree. We don't know all the facts of the case. I read your mind, Star Girl. I was just talking about that, right? Uh, that we don't know all the facts of the case. And, you know, this is a very emotional case, and we've all gotten emotional over this case. But, you know, emotion doesn't solve murder cases, you know. Mary Glaviano, new member. Welcome to Police Off the Cuff YouTube member. Thank you so much for joining the Police Off the Cuff Real Crime family. Thank you so much. Uh, I think we're, we're just under 100. We almost have 100 members in our uh, Police Off the Cuff YouTube family. Joe Murray. Again, thank you for the $10 super chat. Dear community, if this is Brian Laundry, it proves the parents were telling the truth that Brian was missing right where they told law enforcement he would be. I'm asking that we let this family grieve. Joe, I couldn't uh, agree with you more in regards to letting the family grieve 100%. Uh, I don't think it, you know people really had a right to go on their lawn and scream at them and all of that stuff. It's a different world we live in, but that stuff seems to be allowed these days. But yeah, I didn't really like that that was happening either. You know, um, just, just, so every, make, oh, go ahead. Go no, go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to say, I want to make a point on what you just said. Think about it. There's not going to be a trial at trial. We would have heard explicit detail of investigation and evidence 
related to this case, like specific things regarding maybe telephone messages, text messages, uh, telephones, his telephone placing him at the scene where they believe the murder took place. Uh, there's so many things. We're not going to learn about the forensic evidence that was recovered when Gabby's body was found. We're not going to learn about the forensic evidence that was recovered inside the van when the FBI did their initial analysis, evidence recovery team of the van. So, I mean, there's a chance that they will sit down with the family. I would hope and pray that they do do that and explain all of that to them at the right time. So there is going to be some closure and some answers for those people. But uh, whether it becomes public or not, it may take a long time. Uh, there may be some Freedom of Inf Information Act or uh, requests done sometime in the future. We may get those bits and pieces of information. But I would have loved to have seen him been found alive and his parents wouldn't uh, be grieving his death if it is him. Excuse me, if it is him at this time. And, uh, you know, we would have heard a lot of different things at that uh, trial that would have uh, put a lot of the pieces of the puzzle together, so to speak. Tina Garrett. Tina Garrett became a YouTube member. Thank you so much, Tina Garrett. Welcome to the Police Off the Cuff family. Welcome. We're so happy to, to join us, you know. Uh, you know, I know that everyone that's been following this case, uh, Joe Kane, Captain Joe Kane, retired captain of NYPD, thank you so much for the $10 super chat. Emotions don't solve homicide cases. That's worth 10 bucks for sure, Joe. And thank you so much. He's a big supporter of uh, Police Off the Cuff. He's a, he's a channel member at the dipped and butter level. <laughs> so uh, I appreciate you, Joe. Um, you know, folks, this, again, this is a very emotional time. It's an emotional case. We're all waiting, and we're going to have to wait. Uh, we're going to have to wait to see um, what the results are of this identification. And according to the senior uh, FBI agent in charge, it's going to take several days because they're not going to just release it uh, to pacify the, actually the millions of people that are waiting to hear this information. They're going to take their time. They're going to do it scientifically through DNA, and they're going to get an absolute 100% match when they uh, when they do those tests. So, uh, you know, I some TW, I, I, you think I'm going to fall for that? Did they contact the sheriff of Let's Go Brandon County? I know that one. I know. <laughs> I, I follow that, you know, Let's Go Brandon <laughs> shit. But, uh, Let's Go I, Brandon. Yeah, I, I didn't fall for it, but thanks. I got a sense of humor, too, uh, for this. Uh, you, you know, I want to comment on one of the uh, comments that were made in the chat. Uh, it, it's yeah, Y-E-P. I don't have sympathy for Brian's family because they are responsible for what anger they stirred up and hatred of them by being hateful towards Gabby's family. Listen, there's a place for that, what they did, but this is not the time for that. If this is, in fact, Brian Laundrie's remains, they lost a, a son and we need to give them a little bit of a pass on, uh, you know, protests or anything like that. Um, they didn't do what we thought was ethical in the past. I mean, of course, 100%, they should have reached out to the Petitos and, and, and explain, you know, he, she's not here. We don't know where she is, something. But listen, does that mean that they deserve to have their son dead? No, it doesn't. It's, it was terrible what they did, their posture with the lawyer and, and not answering the questions. It all just, you know, it was within their right to have an attorney. Don't get me wrong. But their whole posture, everything that they did, every move that they made, mowing the lawn like nothing was going on, trying to live their life, it all stunk. It was just terrible. We as human beings or people that have children, parents, we didn't like it. But at the end of the day, uh, they lost, if this is in fact, Brian, they lost a son and... Uh, you know, we'll give them a little bit of a pass on that. That's all I want to say about that. Yeah. Uh, circa before, I don't have sympathy for the laundries uh, either. Um, we don't know if that's Brian, so I will not assume it is. I will not give them time to grieve if we don't know if it's him. Well, okay. once, you know, once we do find out, uh, I think that they deserve uh, the time to grieve as human beings, as parents. Uh, again, many of us in, in this, been following this case, we're very angry at the laundries and we've been very angry because it appeared that um, that they were cooperating with their son and not with law enforcement and that they were trying to, that's what it appears. There's other people that, um, that don't agree with this. Jason Chandler, 
While you are all falling over in sad feelings for the Laundry family, think about the pain and suffering that Gabby's parents are feeling. Think about the pain Gabby's parents. 100%, Jason. And we've uh, we've said that a million times, and uh, that pain will never go away. That's forever. No parent wants their child to die before they do, you know, and that that's a given. And, um, yeah, I mean, it, it, that, you know, that's something that we've uh, continuously spoken, spoken about in the coverage of this case is that especially after Gabby's body was recovered and they identified her on the scene, I think the whole world shed a tear that night, you know, and um, people wonder why, and there's been articles written why this case uh, caught the imagination uh, of the whole world. And uh, I'm not going to conjecture on that now. Maybe we'll cover that at some other time, but uh, RM, I'm going to, I'm going to repeat what you said, because I happen to agree with it. NYPD greatest detectives in the world. The ones who laugh and joke around dead bodies in front of, what is that though? No, I I don't think I'm going to read the rest of that RM because I don't agree with it. I agree with the first part, greatest detectives in the world. And if you've ever been been on a crime scene, uh, you know that you could be there for hours and hours. So if you're standing and talking to someone and maybe laughing, that's not reason for someone to ridicule you that you don't feel for the person that was just killed. We went through that earlier today when we were on Gisela's show and – we talked about that, that how, you know, you cannot do the work that we did uh, dealing with death, dealing with people in the worst possible days of their whole life, uh, making a death notification. And the only way that you can carry on and not, you know, just go out of your mind is to try to uh, make light of things sometimes and maybe talk about something that happened the day before a sporting event or, uh, you know, you're talking about something that happened earlier that day. And uh, th- anybody that looks at a news clip of detectives standing over a dead body and they may have a smile on their face or they may be engaged in conversation, doesn't look like they're uh, serious about what they're doing. That's Just give them a break on that. That's not true. I've been there. Bill's been there. And, uh, you know, I've, I-, I was talking about earlier today how I was at the scene of a 13-year-old a that died of turned out to be natural causes. And uh, in the hospital, we were called to the hospital. Uh, parents, family, friends, uh, nurses, doctors. There was not a dry eye anywhere around that day. And uh, there's just certain things that, uh, you know, when it tugs at your heartstrings like that, you can't fall apart. You know, I I did cry that day. I choked up. But uh, in order to continue on and be able to do the work, you have to have a place in your head where, you know, you put some perspective with it. and, And sometimes talking about something other than the dead body you're standing over is what you do. Archer, thanks for the $5 super chat. If these are Brian's remains, I wonder if some type of immunity from prosecution would be offered to them to come forward with what Brian told them. I don't think if these are Brian's remains that there will be any prosecution of of the laundries. I don't believe that. And um, I just don't think it would happen. No, Lisa I- Manning, thanks for the $5 super chat. It would be interesting to see if the Petito family extends sympathies to the laundries. You know, that's that that's a possibility. Paul Lavallo, thank you for the 499 super chat. You know, we've seen Phil and I have seen the best and the worst in this world and working the NYPD, especially working in homicide. Uh, you know, there's no worse crime than the murder of another human being. And having said that, you know, you see also people that forgive and if you're uh if you believe in a higher power you know whoever your god is uh that's a trait that uh, probably i admire in, in a person uh sometimes i can't understand when someone forgives something that to me seems unforgivable but i think that's probably a higher level of human being maybe than i am you know Absolutely, Bill. Absolutely. Let's just, uh, you know, uh, the family uh, on both sides are maybe grieving if it is, in fact, Brian. And uh, we'll just uh, hope and pray that they could, uh, both families can uh, move forward. I'm not trying to praise the laundries. I know that they did some unethical stuff. But uh, at this point, uh, you know, this is not the day to start uh, uh, casting aspersions on them or attacking them. Uh, Stum's sirens, uh, storm siren. I'm sorry. I think, I think now more details will start coming out faster. 
and we will learn how extensive the laundry parent's involvement is of them helping their son evade capture. That's very possible. You know, maybe we will learn more as the evidence starts coming in. Maybe we won't. Maybe they won't release it, you know. Uh, it's, um, you know, even today, like, there's there's a difference of opinion because we don't have the facts whether the laundry family, we had, we had been told early on that they were called into the park because they had found something. I'm hearing in the chat, and I don't take the chat as the confirmatory investigative information that uh, they just decided, their lawyer made a statement that they just decided to go search today in the exact spot that the law enforcement found items belonging to Brian. Uh, I find that not believable. What do you think, Phil? Yeah, I, I don't find that believable either. It could be a situation where they might have been asked about uh, did Brian have this or that when they found the backpack and the notebook, uh, and they could have maybe related, you know, we're, we, we've been searching in the area. We think we may have found something. We'll let you know. And instead of waiting for the police to come to them, they ran out, and, you know, the lawyer might be using a self-serving statement that uh, they went there to search, but I, I just don't see it as that. It sounds more likely the scenario I either laid out or it's incorrect information and they were called to the scene to identify these objects. And uh, uh, the way you saw that press conference, the way that FBI agent uh, said with certainty that we recovered Brian's backpack and notebook, it sounds like, you know, uh, they're certain. Sounds like the family was family was shown these items to positively identify that they did belong to Brian. So uh, how they got there, I think it's irrelevant at this point. That's it could be a self serving statement. Uh, I'm not buying into that. Uh, we may find out down the line how it happened. Lisa Mounts, thank you for the five dollar super chat. Remember, an honest judge gets both sides of a story before making a decision and find the real truth before making the judgment. Lisa Mounts, you're very wise. This is the second uh, wise statement I read of yours tonight. Uh, you're very smart. Yes. And uh, I agree with it, what, with what you have to say. Uh, you know, folks, we've been, uh, this is our, um, actually our third show today. So we're a little bit uh, tired and our voice is a little bit. Chris Hanover, uh, Chris Hanover, I couldn't agree with you more. And thank you very much for making this statement. Thank you for the $5 super chat. I'm going to repeat this. You don't have to be team Petito or team laundry. They both lost a child. 100%. 100%. And you know something? Thank you for, for saying that. And, uh, you know, we're going to keep following this case. Um, you know, new developments again, uh, probably in a day or two, they'll get a, a specific um, identity on the body or and or body parts. Um the manner of the death, the cause of the death, all that should come back in in, in a couple of days, and um, you know we'll we'll when it does come back, we'll be here to uh, report it to you. Um, as I said, this case has taken a lot out of uh, everybody. Um, you know, especially of course the the Petito family, and of course whether you feel sorry for them or not, the Laundry family, and all you folks that are following this and. Um, I just want to thank you guys for putting your trust in uh, in Phil and I. Kathy Bennett, thank you so much for your 999 Super Chat. And best wishes to you and God bless. I want to thank you guys for putting your um, your faith in, 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 your, uh, in, in Phil Grimaldi and I and watching our channel, Police Off the Cuff Real Crime Stories. And um, we, we take this job very seriously. And... Uh, it does take its toll on us. I said to Phil, I almost feel like I'm back, you know, in the squad investigating these cases. And I think he feels the same way. But uh, we, we've been on now on this for, for almost actually an hour and three minutes. So uh, we're going to cut it a little shorter than we usually do just because um, Teresa Smith, thank you, Mr. McPherson, in the press conference called it murder. First time would Brian now be a suspect, you know, Teresa, I from day one I felt that he was a suspect, but they continued to use that expression, interest, which to me, uh, I, I I hate that expression, person of interest. There's such a fine line between person of interest and suspect that I don't know why 
they use the term person of interest. Well, we take it as code for suspect. That's for sure. Right. We that's we didn't use that term. Yeah. In New York City, the the, the press always tries to use it, and in New York City, we'd say, no, no, he's a he's a suspect, you know. But and maybe the powers that be on the NYPD they wanted to play those politics too, but we we certainly didn't. Anyway, Phil, um, from for police off the cuff, uh, real crime stories. I'm Bill Cannon. And along with my co-host and partner in all things law enforcement. Bill, Phil I just Romaldi. need to say one quick thing. One quick thing. Go ahead. I want to tip my hat to you, Bill. And the reason I'm saying that is you've been going through some things. Your wife had surgery recently. The, the prayers were answered. Everything's going good. But this guy has been at this stuff. We did three shows today. T Bill, I really got to tip my hat to you. You're dedicated to this. It's uh, it's not about anything other than true dedication to law enforcement, to the Petito family, to the to the police off the cuff family. Uh, we really met some really great people in the last couple of weeks. And again, Bill, your hard, hard work is really paying off. And I'm just so delighted and, and just so glad that I could be a part of it. And thank you, Bill. Thank you, Phil. And folks uh, from Police Off the Cuff, have a great night and stay safe. One episode, just ain't enough.